This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 167. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, here in, uh, where am I, in Prague today, Prague, Czech Republic today, with my terrible lighting and terrible microphone yet again. And for those who are watching on YouTube and wondering why I don't have a tripod for my uh, microphone, it's because I forgot it and left it at home. So lesson learned the hard way to have checklist upon checklist upon checklist for travel before you leave your country. I'm here with my big, bald, beautiful, black-shirted co-host today, Christopher J. Graham. How are you doing today, my friend, Chris? I I mean, I was going to make a dad joke about how you had to <laughs> check Republic, which country you were in, Prague. Anyways. Oh, what? Yeah. But oh, let's move God. on. There's a news update. And if you are a fan of this podcast, you probably already know about it. So let's get awkward here. Chris is quitting uh, the podcast. Yeah. yeah. I'm more into it than I've ever been. But um, <laughs> last, last week, I had to do something. And it wasn't very fun, but it was the right thing to do. And it was to come forward with why I have PTSD. And I'm not going to tell that whole story right now. So if you guys want to hear more about that, there's a new podcast called Creativity and Mental Health uh, with Brandon Reich that is available now pretty much everywhere. But the short bit of it is I was an altar boy when I was a kid at a Catholic church and there were some awful priests at this church. I didn't know about it. I repressed it. I got into therapy. I remembered it and remembered running away. That's about as much as I'm going to. I think people can put, people can put the story, the, the pieces of the puzzle yeah. together there on that. But Awkward. Um, just for people who are not familiar, Brandon Reich, which is Chris's co-host on Creative Mental Health, he was on episode 106 of the podcast, and uh, he's an amazing creative director and artist and graphic designer. And uh, so he's like the perfect counterpart to Chris uh, to talk about this sort of stuff where he's got, the, he's got the left and the right brain, and he's got the, the kind of the mental health quest background that Chris has here. So anything else? Like, uh, it, what episode do you talk about this full story on the podcast? One. Episode one. So we just sort of get into some of the details of it. But, you know, what happened two weeks ago was uh, I had been working for the last like five or six months with the Columbus Dispatch, which is the biggest newspaper in Ohio. And they dropped two front page stories using my face and my name and coming forward and sharing this. And I'm in this spot now where in Ohio, even though I have somebody who went on the record as a witness who saw this guy assault me as he chased me afterwards. I can't do anything legally. I have absolutely no options here in Ohio. So I'm going to change the laws. The cool thing is you've got some, yeah, you've started like meeting with politicians. I saw you sent me a text with like this bill going through the, whatever the sort Senate, of process yeah. we have for legalities here, the, the Senate. Yeah. With all the signatures on it, minus two people. So we're going to have to, <laughs> to name drop those two people and, and shame them for not signing the bill. <laughs> Maybe they haven't well, signed it yet. I don't know how this well, stuff no, that, that So that, that was just approving the bill to go uh, to the Senate. So the, the bill that I've been working on with okay. these two senators, Senator Nikki Antonio and Stephanie Kunze, that's just, just the first bill. There's a few others that are kind of in the works. And I'm going to try to change the laws in Ohio. And I'm trying to build systems to help me do that. And Kyle, my manager like ex ex assistant new manager uh, has been helping me with that and maybe this is a, a good segue to introduce our guests today Kyle and James 
Hi guys. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> so this episode is a, def- a much, much different one than we typically do because today we wanted to talk about the transformation an assistant or hiring employees can bring to your business. And Chris and I kind of brainstormed this episode when we were planning this ahead of time. And we thought, what better sort of people to bring on the podcast to talk about this than our own assistants? Now, Chris has upgraded his term assistant to manager for Kyle. And I could do the same for James, but in a small company, I don't think titles really matter. James basically runs a six-figure home studio and six-figure credit. <laughs> so he's he's my my co-leader. If you I'm gonna say co-leader. Thank you. My president of my company here. No, he's he's our assistant. Like there are one employee, like they're the one people we have hired for us, and they take so much off of our shoulders so that we can work on a lot of other parts of the business. And I think no matter where you are in your business, some of the things that we talk about today can be helpful and useful to getting some of those things off of your back that every business owner has, whatever it is, you can start to implement, take away some of those things. So in this episode, we're going to talk about everything from finding assistance, setting expectations with assistant. We're going to talk about working with them with systems and processes, and then even talking about delegating things to them. And it's going to be even better because we're going to have our assistants here to talk to you directly so that you can hear what we think we are saying. And then they're going to tell you exactly what it's like from the receiving end as the assistant. So this should be a fun episode to do today. So thank you guys for being good sports and coming on here, being interviewed for the podcast today. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. So, all right. So Chris, first of all, I think you and I need to discuss what sort of transformation an assistant or an employee, it's called an employee because assistant seems so trivial. Like but they're so much more than just assisting us. Like they are doing a lot of the things for us in this business where it's like important high value tasks. So I, I don't really know what the phrasing would be, but I might, I might switch between assistant or employee or helper or, or whatever the hell you want to call it for this episode. But let's talk about the transformation this brought, because I've been working with James for like three years for the six figure studio or just over three years. Now, James was our three year uh, anniversary. And I just want to say like, the ability to focus on big picture stuff with my own business and not some of the tedious like things related to this podcast or related to my YouTube videos or related to customer support requests. Some of the things that can bog my time down. Emails is a big one. It's like, yes, there are little things you take off my plate, but the overarching transformation that you've brought to my business as an assistant or helper or an executive, whatever you want to call yourself, absolutely crucial to me juggling as many things as I'm juggling in my life right now between all the businesses that I have and going on workations like this. And Chris, I'm sure it's the same for you, although your experience has been a little less time. Yeah. So Kyle and I have a crazy story in that Kyle hired me to be his business coach and we hung out and got along great and it had a blast. And then Kyle, after we had finished coaching, asked about working with me. And I think, I think the word you used, Kyle, was like apprentice or something, but I said, no, <laughs> you're hired and now you're full time. And, you know, our story is super strange in that I hired you and then two weeks, weeks later, COVID hit and I had like a little, I want to say mini mental breakdown, but it wasn't mini at all. It was like all this stuff, all my PTSD started to come to the surface. And I mean, I was having like seizures and stuff like significant health issues and it was amazing because kyle came in and kept the boat uh, afloat and I, I seriously don't know what i would have done i didn't like if you would have asked me the morning that my health issues started like what the rest of the day was going to look like i wouldn't have been able to tell you it caught me so off guard completely out of nowhere and kyle saved the day man yeah it was kind of a trial by fire it was yeah. like you know hey you're hired and oh I can't get in contact with Chris anymore at all. Yeah. Hey, I'm at the hospital. Don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was intense. So yeah. Yeah, man. I like I, when that happened, I was like, Shit. 
he was going to be such a good assistant and this is going to scare him off. And <laughs> I'm so glad he stuck around, man. Yeah. So let's, let's start this off. So we kind of talked about like how much this has helped in our businesses. Like Chris, you literally could not have gotten this through this past year yep. without Kyle by your side to help yep. out. And James, I've, you've become such a dependable person to where like, not only do you do things well, but you, I know you're going to do things. I'm so confident that you will do things on time in the right way that I, I, I don't think I ever really check in on you. I just know you're doing things in my business. <laughs> and then the few times that I do go check in on you, they're all done and they're done correctly and they're done on time. So I think one of the things that's, that's tricky, this, we, ha- we just have to put this out there, is personally, and I think a lot of people feel the same way, I hate the term assistant. It seems condescending. It seems uh, narcissistic. It seems like oh, only I matter and I, therefore I need an assistant. There's a term that I think is better to take from the corporate world and it's chief operations officer. Hmm, COO. Yeah, I like that. In charge of doing the stuff. You're in charge of doing what the business does. And then my job is to figure out what the business will do. Right. And so for Kyle, like I, we moved away from the term assistant because I, like, I think we both hate it. But now we, you know, I just call my my manager, but like the official term has got to be chief operations officer, officer. That's what you're doing is you're running the business without me most of the time. And it's so scary when you're starting to think about, do I need someone to help me? Do I need a manager or an assistant or a CEO or whatever it happens to be? And when you start trying to figure out when you should make that jump, it's really tricky because I think what most people do is they're like, well, I'll hire my cousin and pay her minimum wage. That is not, a, you, you don't hire, you don't go to Walmart to find someone to help you run your business. You don't, and when I say Walmart, I mean, you don't just get the cheapest option. You don't just say, eh, I'm just gonna, this person will be good enough. Because what happens with that is you hire somebody and all of a sudden you're like, well, you didn't do that right. I have a checklist for you. You didn't use a checklist. Okay, you're, not here, but you said you'd be here. Like you have all these flaky issues and having an assistant, if that's the word you want to use, freaking stinks when you've set the bar that low. And I think for, for Brian and I, one of the best parts of the podcast has been how many people we've met that allowed us to, like, I, I don't think I ever would have met Kyle. I don't think we ever would have had the relationship that we have if, it, if Kyle yeah. didn't get to like encounter us on the podcast first. And what was so cool about that is when we finally started working together, it wasn't like I had to be, hey, here's uh, my priorities and here's what I think is important and here's how I like to run a business. Kyle already knew all that stuff. Like the podcast like really prepped for that. So, dude, Kyle, what was that like, man? Well, honestly, like, I, I mean, the podcast has changed my life incredibly. Like I, I used to like basically where I moved from Ontario, Canada to Nova Scotia, Canada. And that's purely because of the six figure home studio podcast. And, you know, and, and it basically showed me that I should be treating my business a bit differently. And I started making changes and basically I was realizing that, Oh yeah, I should be hiring Chris as a business coach. Cause you had it on, on an episode and I was like, yeah, I'm jumping on that. And then everything started happening really fast. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I, you know, it just happened to line up and we kind of be kind of like, Chris was the person I've always thought that I'd be a, a good, like right-hand person to somebody who has a, this awesome creative vision. And when I saw, when I met Chris, and we started going through business coaching stuff. I was like, yep, yep. I need to work for him or with him or some, I need to be around him of some way. And then that conversation happened. And then you're like, oh, yep. 
let's start working together. And I was super stoked about that. So, and obviously I still am. So. So we have, Chris and I have this really unfair resource at our disposal for hiring, which is this podcast, because we have some people, people listening to it. We have people in our community, people on our mailing list that consume our content. And so it was the same for me. I just kind of put a call out to the, to our Facebook community and to other areas. I call it kind of a hiring funnel where I put the general call out and then had people apply. And that's how James, you found me I, as well. I believe it was the podcast or, or, or Facebook community. Can you kind of talk through the story of like the beginning process of, of working with me? Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, definitely a bit of a roundabout. This is before the podcast, before PPC, all that stuff. I applied, got to the final three, but then didn't get the job. You actually got interviewed. This was in 2015. Yeah, I got the interview, final three, didn't get the job though. And then when you dropped PPC, I took the course and went through AAB as a team leader. And these acronyms, by the way, are just <laughs> product. Like I have a course called the Profitable Producer Course. It's for recording studio owners. And there's something called the Accountability Accelerated Bootcamp. Just, just jargon in our community, just for people that are confused. It doesn't matter. Go ahead, James. Yeah, the bootcamp was a blast though. So if anyone is on the fence, take the bootcamp. I loved it. And then out of sheer luck, the assistant that you did hire ended up leaving right around the time that the boot camp ended. And I remember you just sent me a Slack message one day being like, hey, can we hop on a Zoom call? I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> and then you just straight up offered me the job like two years after interviewing, just out of the blue being, yeah. hey, you know, if you want the job, it's yours now. So that's how it got started. And it was, it's been great. The fun thing there was I got to see how you worked inside of a team setting because you were one of the team leaders in our boot camps because we split people into teams of like 10 and we assigned team leaders. And so I got to see how organized James was and how great he was working with teammates and staying on top of things. So once I saw that, I was like, and I'd already interviewed him years before. And when my assistant left to go start a new business, he started a, like a wedding, like a wedding photography, kind of like wedding booth business. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sean. Yep. So when he did that, and I think he, maybe until COVID, I believe he was crushing it. And maybe he's back now. I, I haven't, I need to reach out. Sean, reach out to me if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> we need to catch up. Yeah. But once it was all over, I was like, James is going to be my dude. Cause I saw how well you worked uh, in, in teams and you've been with me since and been an incredible part. But I think for our community listening now, I think it's, a, it's really important to understand the value of some sort of tight knit niche community to go find people to, to work with you on uh, whatever it is that you're going to be doing, because especially if you're mm. in like a specific niche, like freelance audio or uh, video production or something, you, you want somebody, some of the first tasks you're going to be hiring off is something to do with the actual service that you're providing. That's like the first thing you're, you're typically want to, to start removing from your workflow is some of those like tasks that either you don't like to do. Well, and we'll talk about some of those tasks later in this episode, what they should actually be. But I think finding communities on Facebook or otherwise that it's really tight knit and you can implement it yourself in those communities. It's really easy to find people that are looking for like part-time work outside of what they're, they're doing. Because if you are somebody who's so successful, your, your limited resources time, you're valuable. You're very valuable to anyone who's looking for work right now, because a lot of people that don't have necessarily, I mean, not, not, this is not all across the board, but a lot of people are looking for that consistent income source on the side where they do whatever it is that they love. And so what I did with James, and I believe you may have done initially with uh, Kyle, Chris, is I work with James part-time so he can pursue his other, everything else on the side. And he's only working with me on a part-time basis, about 20 hours a week. I think our arrangement is up to 20 hours a week, James. And so it can flow between up to 20, sometimes over and a lot of times under. Yeah, it, it's great. You know, I'm able to do my own things, but also able to be an active part of the Six Figure Home Studio community or the Six Figure Creative community. I should really know that by now. <laughs> it, it's enjoyable and it still gives me the freedom to do what I want. 
And, you know, I've taken workations as well, just like you're doing now. I've been able to, as your assistant or COO or whatever, go to Germany for three weeks. I think I've done that twice now. Yeah. And I know uh, whenever you're traveling, it can be difficult to get like as much work as you typically would get done. So like, I try not to bother you when you're on your trips. And then you know that when I'm on workations, like I am right now, I'm in Prague with my wife and we, we just got back. We just went from Salzburg, Austria. And before that was Spain. Uh, when this happens, I don't get as much work done and I'm harder to get in touch with. So it's just kind of one of those give and take kind of things. Have you been to any shows in, in Prague? Like, are, are they having concerts? We're going to the ballet tonight. Oh, re- cool. I've heard that Prague has a really great rock scene, a really great Prague rock scene. <laughs> it, so here's the worst part about that pun for anyone. Chris does terrible puns all the time. He just did a pun we actually have absolutely cut, so you'll never hear it. No, ever. no, no, no. Uh, and then the pun. The pun, the pun that he just did, he he did again before we even started recording when it was just Chris and I. So that's the second time he's done that pun. I'm stressed. Okay, guys. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I like, God. there's a lot going on. Yeah. So I think we, we talked about our origin stories for where we found James and, and Kyle to work for us. But like, if someone is listening right now, they're a freelancer, they're a creative freelancer, where do they go to, to find their own assistant? What's a good resource that you would recommend, Chris? Well, you know, I've tried a lot of different methods here. I've read a lot of different books and there's a really popular thing where people hire a virtual assistant. And that tends to be somebody in a different country. It tends to be a country where the finances work out a little bit better for you to hire them. And, you know, I've, I've been trying to do that since like 2010. Like when I read, I, I think that's when I read four hour work week for the first time. And he talks about virtual assistants and he makes it sound amazing that like some, you know, person in India who's a badass that has a master's degree it's going to work for you for $2 an hour and they're going to be super dependable. <laughs> that was not my experience. I tried a, a bunch of different things. And my advice to everybody is if you're looking for an assistant, hire from your community. I think that makes so much more sense where there's mutual acquaintances, there's mutual friends, there's mutual trust that's already built in. They already, it's, you're not, when you hire somebody just by looking at their resume, you have no idea if they are a square peg in a round hole or not. Yeah. So with that, I also have to say, I'm going to push back a little bit on Chris there. Don't hire someone just because they're a, a comfortable, familiar face. That's another mistake that I see people making is they go yes. to somebody that's already familiar with them. They know them. They are, they're like, they can trust them, but that they're not always the most qualified person. So there's a balance you have to make here. And when, when Chris says in your community, it's not just limited to your like circle of friends and family. There are so many online communities that are dedicated to specific niches that can to fulfill different purposes. If you're looking for like an administrative assistant type person, there are communities for that dedicated to that specific subject. If you're looking for someone in video or audio or design, there are communities for that sort of thing. And if you're not already plugged into those communities, it's a good time to start doing that. And also don't be afraid to just go to those communities when you need to hire somebody too. Because I know if someone's coming to the six figure like home studio community, which is the name of our community, at least right now, and is genuinely looking to hire somebody and literally pour money into our community members in some way, shape or form. I'm all for that. As long as it's a good opportunity, yeah. some sort of scam or some sort of like bottom dollar offer. If it's somebody that's genuinely adding value to our community in that way, I'm going to allow it at least the way we run our community and a lot of other communities are the same way. So when I hired James, I actually set up a whole filtering process that I think is worth talking about just for briefly for a second. Cause it was kind of clever where I was, you know, I, I could promote in all these areas that I wouldn't have normally promoted in message boards, forums, Facebook communities, where it was like places that I'd never posted before. And people were eagerly like asking questions and engaging and clicking on the link and going and filling out my, 
my form. And one quick tip there, just for anybody that's thinking through this, I call it a hiring funnel. When, when I put this on the internet, I put the, the job description, like what expectations kind of like were. So I actually had a, a URL I'd send people to. And James, if you find this, put it in the show notes. People can go and actually find the job description that I had and all of the application stuff. I still think I had that hiring funnel up for anyone who wants to kind of reverse engineer it. But anyways, and people could fill out this form. So they would read through the description of what the job was first. And then in the middle of that job description somewhere, it said like in your application, put the word potato in all caps spelled this way. It was spelled like wrong. And, and then it continued on the job description. So only if you read the entire job description, would you see that that request was in there? And so what I did was when people applied, if they didn't have that word potato in the application spelled out the way that I had it spelled in all caps, I just, Mm. I just trashed the application because they don't have attention to details. So that weeded out like 80% of the applicants early on, which where I had over 200 applicants, that was really important for me because I didn't want to have to spend all day going through applicants that don't pay attention. Well, that's such a cool system because that system tater taught you which applicants were going to be good or not because they, if they were- I see the what you did there. So it was, I was said potato in the application and tater tots are made of potatoes. Exactly. So that's where you got that. That's pun. where that I cool. made that joke yeah, from. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good one, Chris. Good job, buddy. Yeah. I also remember that you had me like calculate how many pennies would fit in a room of a certain size. And this is on the application. I wondered how many people got it wrong because there was an answer on Yahoo Answers that was incorrect. I redid all the math and discovered it was incorrect. So I gave you both. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's another, here's another <laughs> little filtering question that I did on that application because I, because of the size of our community, I did this and I knew I'd have a ton of people apply or else I would never have done this. But I wanted to know two things with hiring an assistant. Number one was will this person pay attention to details? So that's why I put the little potato test. I call it the, I'll just call it the potato test from now on. And everyone listening to this podcast will know what I mean by the potato test. The second thing I did was I wanted to know if this assistant has the spirit of FITFO, F-I-T-F-O. And so what I did is I asked a really crazy question. I gave this, the size dimensions of a room and said, how many pennies? So the smallest denomination of American uh, currency, how many pennies can fit in this, a room of this size? I got answers all over the place. It was actually hilariously insane how many different answers I got there because there's a million ways to figure that out. Well, everyone had to put but their two cents I in. I was looking for a... V- oh, there you go, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a good one. Yeah. I'll give you that one. Uh, I rarely give you those, but you, you got that one. I appreciate it. Okay, appreciate but anyways, it. what I was looking for, it, what I was looking for is for somebody that their initial first response to a weird question like that is to just Google the damn thing. Because Google has like Googling is the way of the world. If you want to know something you don't know the answer to, just Google it. And if my assistant is going to work for me and at a high level that I can trust, their first instinct should be go, go Google it. And so the people who got the Google answer were like accepted to me. James was one of the few, if the only person to Google it and then <laughs> fact check the Google answer and then give me his own answer. That was like, you're in, D- done. You're, you're the guy. So <laughs> All right. So anyways, so that's, those are my little like hiring hacks. If you're the type of person where you're hiring a position that's highly in demand and you want to weed out all the bad applicants, those are two or three little things you can do there to kind of weed those people out and find people with high attention to detail. Also think through, like if you're hiring a specific skill position, like in the freelancing world or the creative world where there's a skill involved that people always mess up, don't be afraid to put a little like test in there whether it's in Pro Tools or an audio or video or some, something that you know people will mess up all the time, get them to do something. Have an actual assignment in there 
and see how many people mess that up. And that can weed people out as well. So I think the next thing we should move to, Chris, um, is setting expectations. When you hire somebody, setting expectations ahead of time so that your assistant knows what they will be doing and you will be knowing what the assistant will be doing and that you're on the same page. And judging by the way your relationship started out, Chris and Kyle. We're really good at this. I set really (laughs) clear expectations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you start that off, Chris, and then me and James will talk through kind of what we did in the beginning. Yeah. So it was funny. Like when I first hired Kyle, I'd come up with this, a, a software product. And, you know, most of the people that listen to our podcast come from a recording studio background. They're those, that sort of wing of creatives. And I had built this app called Bounce Butler. And for long story short, it took me a really long time. People that work in recording studios all over the world use it. It was a big hit, but I finished it. And right as I finished it, I hired Kyle and put this app out in the world. I was like, Kyle, we're going to need to be dealing with tech support and we need to figure out how to do updates together. And I need you to learn how to do some of this, this scripting so that you can add features. And, and then we did all that. And then a whole bunch of other random stuff. But dude, Kyle, you, you tell me, like, what was that experience like as far as expectations I set and then didn't even come close to? And then be as brutal as you can, Kyle. I want you to just just lay it on them so that people can know if there's something, if there's tension there, especially at the beginning, people know what that's like because when you don't set proper expectations with an assistant, it can be really frustrating and scary for them. Yeah, it was definitely terrifying. I was I was terrified for the good first little while there. And and again, yeah, it was just it was kind of trial by fire again. And I just had to keep we we had some ideas. Okay, we're gonna try this, and then oh this doesn't work. We need to make, I have to do this as well. Okay, cool. And my job description just kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger as we started to, you know, figure things out. And I'd be like, Hey, should I be taking care of this? And then Chris would be like, yep, you should probably do that. Yep. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's do that. And it kind of just became this, this like back and forth fluid dynamic thing. And we just sort of developed my job description over time. And I think it's still in flux. It's still kind of, yeah, absolutely. For me, it was it was definitely like it was challenging at first because I was expecting like what Brian was talking about is like clear expectations and all these basically like, you know, a to do list, which wasn't there, obviously. So we had to we had to, I had to kind of make my own. So I had to be my own manager and go forward with this and also be Chris's manager. <laughs> it was wild. I have this clear memory of this was the day that COVID happened in the United States. The, the World Health Organization declared it a pandemic this day. And I had had a, uh, well, actually, it's a blur. It was right around when, when COVID was declared a pandemic. And I was having like seizures with all these health issues. You thought they were panic attacks at the time, by the way. I thought they were panic attacks. They were considerably worse than what I understand a panic attack to be. And my, I had like gone to meet my family at this coffee shop. And I started having an episode. And I was like, I need my mom to come pick me up. I'm like in this van, like laying in the front seat, like we're, we're pondering whether we should go to the hospital at this point. We eventually did in the days, weeks later, but I remember calling Kyle and I, and I could feel in my body. I was like, this is going to get real messy, real fast. I have no idea what's going on. And Kyle just needs to be aware that I'm completely out of commission and I have no idea what's happening. And I, like I was full on reclined in my mom's minivan's front seat, just like Kyle, I need you to <laughs> put up an away message in my inbox or something like this is what's going on. Just whatever you think needs to happen, make it happen. 
And that is such a testament to Kyle's character and ingenuity and creativity and all of the good things that makes Kyle a dope ass human that he was able oh, thanks, to. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. Well, like, like Brian said, I, I can't remember how to pronounce it, but you, you had this figure at the f out spirit of it was just like your problem Fitful. solver. Fitfo. This, I think, is the most important thing that I will. This is never going to change the rest of my life. I hire for Fitfo. I think everybody, whether they knows it or not, if hires hires for Fitfo, that they want to hire somebody who is a problem solver, not a minion. That's an important thing to have in entrepreneurship as well is having that fitfo spirit. Like as an entrepreneur, you have to constantly solve problems. Every single day, there's going to be something that pops up that you've never encountered before. And if you don't have that sort of ability to figure it the f*** out, it's going to be a tough time for you as a business owner. And it's the same as assistant. Like James, even today, we've worked together for three years now. You have what I feel are really clear expectations and things you're supposed to do. And we can talk through how we set expectations early on in, in our relationship together and how that's changed over the years. But even now, there are things that likely come up constantly that you have to figure stuff out because I'm not available, especially when I'm traveling abroad. And, and it is an important thing to have, whether you're assisting somebody in a business, whether you are building a business or whether you're trying to juggle a million things at a time, fitfo, 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 fitfo. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. When you're hiring somebody, I think what a lot of people do is they just find someone who is compliant. Will you do what I tell you to do for money? That is not how to grow your business and create less stress for yourself. In my opinion, and I feel very passionate about this, they have to feel a sense of ownership and you have to accept from the beginning that they're going to graduate someday, that they're going to grow as a result of working with you, that you're going to invest in them. And eventually you probably won't be able to afford them. Kyle at some point is going to outgrow me, I think. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe I'm wrong. And that sounds fantastic. <laughs> maybe I grow fast <laughs> enough to keep up with him here. But you, you, have to, you have to hire somebody that you can trust to solve problems and to put themselves in your shoes and think, well, what would, what would my, my partner do here? How would they solve this? And what mistakes would they make that I will prevent them from making uh, in the future? So yeah, I mean, Kyle, I, I feel like I hit it out of the park. You. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Hiring you is not one of them. One of the better moves I've ever made. So you mentioned one important thing, Chris, that's super important for people to understand as well is I, I've seen conversations in our own community where people have two things, two reasons they don't hire. One is they can never find somebody that's good enough or two, even if I find somebody that's good enough, they're just going to leave me eventually. And I, I want to mm. make sure people understand like <laughs> you should hire, you should always hire somebody that you're afraid to lose. If you're not afraid to lose that person, they're probably not good enough to work for you. Stop being afraid of that. Like, like Chris said, always be willing. Like you want your person to graduate. Like if James, like at any point, James, you get so busy with the other business and stuff that you're building on the side to never work for me again. I will be ecstatic for you. My business will crumble and I like everything will fall apart <laughs> in my life, but I'll be so excited for you and I'll go higher again. And it'll be a, it'll be a tough time in my, in my, it'll be a dark day, but I just hope to always grow the business enough to where I can just keep slapping on more golden handcuffs <laughs> on your part time to where I always have at least part of your time to help with my business. But let's go back to the expectations. Expectations, James, because I want to, I want your thoughts on this. Do you remember back in the day, like some of the expectations I set on you and how it looked from your perspective on, because from my perspective, it was, I had daily tasks, weekly tasks, monthly tasks all laid out. A lot of this has changed over the years, but that was kind of how we had things set up from the beginning. And I'm curious what your perspective was. 
Yeah, basically we just had a call and you gave me a list and I wrote it all down. For the most part, the monthly tasks and the weekly tasks are no longer a thing. But the daily tasks are very much there. They're in my Todoist, which is the app I use. It doesn't list every single thing. It just says like, check email, daily tasks. And then I remember like, check the Facebook group, check Facebook ads. And there's like, uh, it's basically like memory items of like, this is what's included in daily tasks. Then the big one that you said is it has to happen on time, no matter what is the podcast. And, you know, we have not, aside from the break, missed an episode in three years. I I think there was one that I messed up and published it early (laughs) instead of setting the date. That was a mess. Which was actually fascinating, though. We get a lot of extra data of seeing like how many downloads we got on an episode that was like it was that was really interesting. I'm glad you did that. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I think it was like Friday instead of Tuesday or something. And yeah, but then something else that stuck in my mind is in that first month I was working for you, Brian, I messed something up and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't anything big. And then you're like, well, but here's the thing. I didn't tell you exactly how to do this. If I had, you wouldn't have messed this up. So that's my fault, not yours. And after Mm. that, I was like, okay, like as long as I don't neglect something that I've been told to do and I use common sense, I'm not going to get in trouble. Because like when that first happened, I was like, oh no, like this is the first month. I'm still in my like probation period. I'm screwed. And then like, oh no, no biggie. I didn't tell you. Just remember for next time. And I was like, okay, that's so much easier. And since then the expectation has been like, be smart. And ask questions if I need to, you know, if Google doesn't help. But also, if I do something wrong, you're not going to fire me on the spot like other people might. Yeah, so there's two things you brought up that are really important there. One is the probationary period. You can call it that. That sounds super like like really strict and mean or whatever. (laughs) It was kind of like a trial period is what it was. Like 90 days, the first 90 days, we just work together, see how we fit. And at the end of the 90 days, we'll have a discussion of whether we move forward together or not. And I suggest anyone do that. I think we did that, right, Kyle? We did it for a year. (laughs) <laughs> a year yeah. trial period. That's, that's intense. Okay. All right. That's a, that's a different thing altogether. But the other thing that you mentioned, James, is being able to, like, this is really important if you're hiring somebody, is to take ownership of the mistakes. And this goes back to one of the reasons people don't hire is they're afraid that they're never going to do it as good as I can do it. And I'll tell you right now, they won't. They will not do it as good as you do it until you show them how to do it as good as you do it. <laughs> and if they don't do it as good as you, it's your fault as the business owner. And that's basically what James just summed up there is James did something in, in the wrong way. And my response wasn't, oh my God, you idiot. I could have done that myself. Why did I even hire James? I could have just done this and not had this thing. F- up. No. And instead I said, okay, that was my bad for not showing you the proper way to do it. Let me work with you on like training you on this. And I'm going to take ownership and say, this is my fault. And that's, that's the correct thing. It's always your fault as a business owner. If something doesn't get done the way you want it to be done. And even today, when we have new processes we're working on, this just happened with something we started recently working on related to YouTube is now I'll just, I'll go through the process myself. I'll bullet point it in like Evernote or something really like casual. And then I'll send it to James for him to try out. And then we'll discuss whether or not things need to be changed or adjusted. And then I kind of let James just take it from there and build the process out on his own time. And that seemed to work out. I don't know. You tell me your perspective, James. Yeah. I mean, that process, to be honest, is so simple that I just use the Evernote when I go through it. For like the podcast stuff, I go through, um, it's an app called Process Street and like automates stuff and makes a WordPress post for me and all kinds of stuff. With the videos, it's so easy. It's just like, what, four or five bullet points. And yeah. YouTube is not a fan of automation. So it's it, it's more manual. Yep. And we're actually, we're kind of moving into our next subject actually right now, which is 
building out systems with your assistant or with anyone helping you in your business. So this is actually kind of a good segue to that. I don't want to talk too long in this because here's, here's my thesis on systems. Make bullet points and work off of bullet points in a spreadsheet or a notepad and don't do anything else until you've done that for a while. Chris Graham and Kyle, you guys might have a different approach because I know you guys, <laughs> if anything, I, I will like scald you on over building before you've tested because we did this for our own podcast when we started building out stuff for the guest processes or whatever. But I, I like to keep it simple and work through the process manually a few times and then we can start doing more and more complex stuff. And James, you mentioned something we use called Process Street, which is just an elaborate process app that allows you to go from like item to item to item and you have instructions built in. It's like this really beautiful process system and that you can also automate things. It's like, it's way extreme if you're just starting out. So don't even start with that. Don't even, don't even Google it. Chris, James, don't even put it in the show notes. That's how far I want people to stay away from that right now. Instead, just build out bullet points and then go from there and make it expand. You can always add more, but as you, if you start overbuilding the beginning, you're going to waste a lot of time. And J Chris wants so bad to say something. Like <laughs> that, so go ahead. <laughs> Please edit out that really weird laugh. I just did. I don't know what that was. That was no. so awkward. <clears throat> no, that's staying. <laughs> that's staying. Executive yeah. override. COO says it stays. So what I recommend that people do and what, what Kyle and I often do is we use a form builder. Just any form builder software will work. Probably the easiest free one is Google Forms and building out a process using some sort of form builder software. We love Gravity Forms because it integrates with all the websites that we build in WordPress and allows That's us only to- only WordPress, by the way. So right. if you're not on WordPress, it doesn't work. When you're building systems, I think there's two main types of systems. There's things that remind you or someone else what to do and in what order. And there's other fancier types of systems that Kyle and I are obsessed with called automations. And that means, hey, when I do this, this thing should automatically happen. Kyle and I are obsessed with automation. And there's some stuff I need to unpack here. And I think that this relates heavily to our conversation about an assistant as well. My trauma makes it terrifying for me to be in charge of other people because I associate power with the pedophile priest. And that makes it difficult for me to, to manage. Because I don't want to tell anybody, hey, you need to do it like this or blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, I also don't feel safe unless I have some level of control. And a lot of my trauma, I'm, I'm through this, but a lot of my trauma and that was touching all my friendships and my family and all this was I didn't feel like anyone would be safe unless I was in control. So for me, building systems was a little bit of a coping mechanism. I had all these systems of like my kids and like, hey... You know, if this happens, then you're going to have to do this. And, you know, you have, there was just all this stupid controlling stuff that came out with me. And it was weird because in my personal life, I was pretty controlling. But in my professional life, I was terrified to have like an official, like authority structure. And that was something that Kyle has been just really easy to work through with. Like you have been like, the worst thing you can possibly have is a traumatized boss. Right. That usually plays out in really, really ugly, like, this is all your fault, ah! like freaking out. And I think, Kyle, you've been so helpful uh, to help me sort of work into like, oh, I should set clearer expectations and I should tell you to do this one thing and I should adjust your priorities. But, you know, all those things are, are so complicated for me emotionally. So I think where we are trying to grow as a team is finding a system 
that helps us organize the relationship of what is this thing that we're doing where we're working together. So Kyle, <laughs> when you think about systems and when you think about our working relationship, how have systems played a role in that? How has that kept the train on the track? I kind of think of our systems as like, I have like a two camps. I have the automation stuff, but I also have like the policies and procedures so that I know like how to do things in the future. And also, but when we're building our systems, I try to think of it like, okay, what if I'm not the one running this, you know, 10 months from now, a year from now, I need to make a system that is, or a policy and procedure that works for any person that you eventually hire down the road. And that's where I, that's where my mindset is with all the stuff we, that we build and we work together that it's like, no, it needs to be clear so that in the future it's easy. And also helps me remember when I have to go back and do something that I haven't done in a while, I can be like, oh yeah, right. I have a policy and procedure for this. And it keeps things, it keeps things clear. Right. And, and I think that's, that's what's really important. So absolutely. When you have a system that relies on anyone's memory, it is going to explode in a fiery ball of hellfire and poop. It's just going to be everywhere. Fi poop and burning. <laughs> it's just going to be on everything. You cannot oh, use There's memory. Such a disgusting imagery. <laughs> There's like you cannot you just use a glitter bomb. A glitter bomb. Yeah. A hellfire of poop and glitter. I was, I was just going <laughs> to. It's like a. It's like a. When you have a system that is based on anyone's memory, it is like a giant glitter bomb full of poop and hellfire, and it just goes everywhere. It's awful. So you have to build out processes, even if that's just like Brian said, a freaking notepad that you've written out stuff. You have to store the information in a shared location. And I think what a lot of people do is they only store it in their brain. Then they think they've communicated it well to their assistant. Then they think their assistant remembers it. He hasn't. She hasn't. And then they think everything will go great. It won't. So you have to have a shared repository of knowledge to have a relationship like this. And I think, man, just to talk a little bit about communication as a whole there. So those are called in, in the general business world, they're called, and this sounds super nerdy and boring, but I still want to get the point across, standard operating procedures. If you read the book, The E-Myth Revisited, they talk about this a lot. It's a really important part about becoming a business owner versus someone who just has a job that they built for themselves. If you want to be a business owner, you need to have these, these sorts of things in place because when it comes to hiring, Kyle's not going to be in the same position for the rest of his life. James is not going to be in this position for the rest of his life. Somebody will have to step into that role at some point, whether it is an app that's automating things or whether it's another human taking on some of those responsibilities, you don't have to want to have to retrain every single person to learn every single thing that it is you do in your business or that your assistant should be doing in their business. You need to standardize it, meaning that every time X happens, then you should do Y. Every time A happens, you should do B. You have to standardize it first and then document the process for it, which can be as simple as bullet points, which is what I pointed out. I just have bullet points for some of our processes. And that anytime something happens, you just follow this, this standard operating procedure and it will get done. And as long as you have the clear end result, the, the expectations and when it should be done, it generally gets done on time and, and to your liking. If it doesn't get done on time or to your liking, it's typically your fault as a business owner. And if it's not your fault as a business owner, then it's time to have a conversation with whoever you've hired about meeting expectations and doing what it is that they said they would be doing and find out the root cause. If the root cause is the assistant or the person you've hired, then you may need to start working with someone else or and actually, and look to yourself for hiring the wrong person in the first place. Cause that's actually the true root cause is why did you hire the wrong person for this job? So it all always comes back to you as the business owner. I love that idea of, of ownership of ultimate ownership 
when you look at your business and just assuming it's your fault. It's 100% your fault and it, it always has been and it always will be. And the, the problem might have been that you hired the wrong person to start with. That's not their fault and it's not an excuse for you to treat them like garbage either. So yeah, I love this stuff, man. Yep. Like this is, as you're talking about the E-Myth Revisited, I'm thinking about that book and how much I learned from that early on in my career as an entrepreneur. The second business book I read, it blew my mind. And every time I hear people talk about it, I like want to hug the book. Like it's, it's like a teddy bear, like a business teddy bear for me of like, oh, I learned so much about systems. I learned so much about process. I learned so much about imagining what it would be like to not be a one-man shop, to actually be efficient. I don't feel the same way about the book. It's like, it's a pretty good book. <laughs> it's not one that I'm going to hug or like hold or love, but I do like the mental shift you make when you read through that book and you start thinking about, am I just going to be a freelancer for the rest of my life or am I going to think bigger? And if you just want to be the freelancer, I don't want to, I don't want to knock anybody for that, but I do, even if you just want to be the, like the freelancer for the rest of your life, which is perfectly okay. I still think it's a good mindset shift to have so that you're not sticking with just the freelancing around the rest of your life, only out of ignorance. You have the, you have the mental knowledge of what it looks like to start hiring people underneath you and building a team, even if it's a part-time team for small tasks that you don't like to do or can't do or whatever. Again, we'll talk about those tasks, I think next, but I think you need to make that decision from a informed standpoint, not an ignorant standpoint. I, I just can't, I can't say to, for people to make a decision without having all of the information at their fingertips. So read the E-Myth Revisited, understand what it's like to be a business owner, an entrepreneur, someone who has a team. And then you can say, knowing all this, if that's still not appealing to me, and I just want to be the person in the trenches every day doing the freelance work without ever hiring anyone, that's okay too. But at least you've made the decision from an informed standpoint. Absolutely. And I think I want to bring this part of our podcast home before we, we go in the final stretch here. This is so personal. This is not business knowledge or book smarts or whatever. Guys, when my health stuff started to happen, I was not sure I was going to make it. There were a number of occasions when I was thinking, could Kyle run this business if, if I died? How would that impact my family? What can I do to set him up for a win? Like, it was really, really, really fucking scary. Thank God. Yeah. I, I remember the time that you, you woke up, we were on a call for the podcast. It was like 1.30 PM, maybe 2.30 PM your time. You were in a bathrobe with like a five o'clock shadow beard. Covered in baby oil. Just like for some, I'm just kidding. There was no baby oil. <laughs> no. Yeah. But it was, that was like the lowest I had seen you ever in my life. It got bad. Up to that point and since then, yeah, yeah it got bad. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of opening up to you even right now about how bad it was. I mean, it was, there was significant cause for concern and I was in the hospital for a while and it, it was, it was really scary. So one of the things I want to challenge our listeners with is if you have a family, if you have people that, that depend on you, what would happen if you couldn't work at all anymore? If you're a one man shop, the answer is pretty simple. Bankruptcy. If you are building a team and if you are investing in people, then at least there's a potential for the business to continue without you, at least even for a period of time to help other people transition and to help you transition. This last year, I have not made so little money in such a long time because I had two full-time jobs. I had my own health and I had my business. 
And frankly, the, the health, frankly, the health thing was a lot more than a full-time job. It was uh, like 10 hours a day, do the work and get healthy and figure out what's going on and, and wrestle with this. And man, the, the really painful, uncomfortable thing, I don't want to really get into this too much, is that for victims of priest abuse, suicide is very, very common. Or OD. Like it, it, there's a movie called Spotlight that won Best Picture in 2015. And there's a great scene in there where this, this lawyer, uh, his name's Garabedian, is talking to the Boston Globe for the first time. And he explains that the, the victims who are still alive are the lucky ones. That when you have had such an earth-shattering reality shift, it's hard to process everything when that's part of your childhood. So what I want to challenge our listeners with is I had no idea I had any of this garbage. I had completely repressed it. I thought I was healthy as a horse. I thought I was the most mentally healthy person I knew. And I was just an, like arrogant and I was in a avoidance mode is a, a pretty normal part of this. Yeah. You were a, you were a ticking time, I was bomb, a ticking time bomb waiting to explode. Yep. And so just to bring this back to our listeners, you may not have something as earth shattering as that happened to you, but sometimes you get sick. Sometimes an uh, illness happens or you have to leave the town, leave town for a while or you have, have a baby. You just want to go on vacation once. Yeah. Like we, as freelancers, we don't have paid time off. So we have the only way we have any sort of potential for paid time off in the future is having a business that runs while we're not necessarily at home. Sorry for all my plosives. I can hear them in my headphones right now. And I'm, this is part of, I'm traveling right now. And I have a business that runs while I'm traveling. For you uh, non-audio creatives, plosive means uh, when the microphone does this. Actually, mine didn't do it. That was nice. All right. So I think the next place uh, for us to go in this conversation uh, to kind of wrap things up is what to delegate. Because I think whenever you hire somebody on, whether it's part-time or it's full-time, it can be intimidating because either you have so many things you want to start passing off, you don't know how to prioritize, or you're the type of person where you struggle passing things off so you don't even know where to start. So wherever you are, I think this would be a good part of the conversation to, to, to listen in on. We're going to talk about the three things that you should be delegating in your business uh, when you start hiring stuff out to people. So the first thing to get rid of whenever you're trying to... Um, Outsource, outsource tasks or hire an assistant is first things that you are bad at. So Chris, I want to start with you and ask Kyle what Chris is bad at. Oh, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would say right off the bat, like delegation is definitely one, but also answering emails in a timely fashion would be the- Guilty. Chris that, is bad at emails? No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's definitely like the, but also getting to delegation, being able to choose which, which things are most pri- like the highest priority things to work on that kind of stuff. I think that's like the most important thing that so would I, you say, Chris has a ton of things that he wants to get done and never really like prioritizes them correctly. Or wh- what is that? Give me the more details there. Give us yeah, the I, th- I think it's a shifting goalpost type of thing. I think that'd be the worst is just being able to. And I think also Chris, well, he needs somebody to bounce ideas off. Sorry, I'm going to talk about Chris like he's not in the room. Yeah, <laughs> do it. Talk about him like he's not here. Yeah, like, but Chris needs somebody to bounce ideas off of. So, and and he's not really like he won't come to me and be like, okay, here's X, Y, and Z, and do all these things. It's more of like, Kyle, I have some ideas. What do you think? And then we kind of work through and we make the ideas for it. But he needs that other person to to have that conversation with. And I think that's- Tell me which um, ideas are dumb. <laughs> yeah. And also someone to push and be like, like I, I actually like one of the roles that is like that I take on now is I'm, I come up with what I call like bad ideas. It's kind of like, the, like, a, like a, a Dr. House type of situation where he needs a team of people to come up with bad ideas so he can come up with a good one. And that's where Chris 
It's kind of kind of that where it's like I just come oh. up with bad ideas and Chris goes, "Oh, yep, okay, no, let's we'll go with this one instead." Uh, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm not uncomfortable with you sharing it, but I think that you're right about that, and I, I don't think I knew that about myself, and I it drives me bonkers when like I I had a boss years ago. I had a a job at a church, and it was the same thing of like I would maybe we should do this, and it, it he. We would have all these meetings and everybody would weigh in and only his ideas are what we would do. And it was just really, let me emotionally process that. I'm sorry. <laughs> just deal with it, Chris, as a business owner. This is kind of shit you have to deal with every day is not being great at all the things in the world. If like James will talk, he'll, James will talk next about what I'm bad at, but <laughs> Kyle has something he wants to weigh on here too. Yeah. And just to clarify, it's not that... Um like I know my job is to come up with the, with the bad ideas or just suggest all ideas. And it's, it's a brainstorm. So when, when it, it is your idea that you pick, I'm not, I'm not hurt over that. It's not like a, it's more of like, I'm, it's a brainstorming session. We're coming up with ideas. That's what we're Don't doing. Circle back Kyle, just to make Chris feel better. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm at an emotionally fragile state in my life, Brian. I need the encouragement. James, what am I bad at? You don't delegate enough. That's true. Either you'll do something or like the other day, Kyle messaged me and told me that you had done something. I was like, wait, why didn't Brian have me do that? That's like the exact type of thing that I normally do. Yeah, I think it was like making a new landing page or a form of some sort or something like that, which is the stuff that you usually would have me do. And it's like, yeah, you know, you're so, on vacation right now. Why are you wasting your time? With I'm that? not on. First of all, okay, so a couple of things. Are, first of all, I'm not on vacation. I'm on workation. So that means I'm still doing work while I'm traveling. Second of all, this is a tough one because... When we're talking about what to delegate in someone's business, this first thing that you should start handing off to other people is things that you're bad at. If you're bad at delegation, it's really hard to hand that off to somebody. How do you <laughs> hand off delegation to someone? Else? So I think just by default, let's just pretend that most people are going to struggle with this. So the only thing you can do is start fighting against it and be a, be a little bit better each day at this one thing, because this is literally the only thing you can't really delegate is delegation. James, go ahead. I have an idea for that, which is, just make a list of everything that you need to get done and like post that somewhere where your assistant can see it so they can see like, Hey, this is something I should do because I can do this. I know how to do it. You don't have to spend time on that. Well, so I have a whole, I have a whole like Trello board, a Kanban board of like everything that I'm working on. So I'll just add you to that James. And maybe you can take some of those things off my plate. Perfect. So that's the first area to focus on things that you're bad at. And so I'll, I'll go ahead and say one that James handles that I'm terrible at. And that is emails. I will not reply to emails most of the time. I am so bad at it because this is something that Chris alluded to earlier. I avoid things when I get overwhelmed. So if I start getting overwhelmed in something, I'll just ignore it altogether as long as I possibly can. This is just my struggle as, a, as this is not just in business, it's in life in general. But so if, if I'm getting so many emails that I get overwhelmed, instead of tacking those emails, I'll just ignore them altogether. And so like multiple times in my life, I've done something, this is before I hired an assistant, I've done something called declaring email bankruptcy. <laughs> that's where you literally reply to like anyone that's in your inbox and just says, I officially declare email bankruptcy. I will not be replying to any email that's in my inbox right now. If it's very important, reply and maybe I will get, try to get back to you, but I'm officially archiving every email that's unread right now. And so I've done that multiple times in my life. And now James... Is, that's one of his daily tasks is answering all my emails or replying or, or trying to assign some to me, which e even in my assigned emails, <laughs> I haven't even got back to all those yet. There's so. like 250 in there. Yeah. It yeah, makes yeah. me feel so much better. Kyle, are, are you getting like a cathartic, like, oh, thank God. He's not the only one that does that. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. 
I'm exactly in that spot. And I think what's been really hard for me to transition over the past couple of years is I was like on it with the Chris, with Chris Graham mastering my first successful business, man, I was all over the emails because I knew the faster you reply, the more, more sales that you close. And so I was just like laser fast, always got back to people constantly. And now I'm in this situation where I'm like, whoa, I'm getting like all these messages from people that listen to the podcast and all these messages from people that saw the front page news article. And there's just so much more vying for my attention. That is hard. It is not easy to figure that out. And I do the same thing too, Brian, of I get overwhelmed and I'm like, I'm not even going to open my inbox because I know I'm just going to feel like a crap person when I open it and I see all these emails that I haven't responded to. And they're from people I care about that I want to be friends with as well as work with. And it's this, it is so weird. And I think that that's one of the things. Everyone listening right now, use this as a time to just feel free from that sort of stuff. There's going to be times in your business where you feel overwhelmed, where you feel like you can't get it done. And so you avoid the best thing I can say. And this is again, coming from someone who was very imperfect with this. I don't have a perfect solution to this. If it's okay, there's a couple, there's a couple layers to this, but I've got to move on for time because I got to get to the opera tonight. Oh my God. Can you repeat that? That was the stupidest thing you've ever said on this podcast. (laughs) Really? Okay. We're going to see Sleeping Beauty at the State Opera House here in Prague. Is that the stupidest thing you've ever heard on the podcast tonight? I didn't think so. I'm going to double down and say yes. (laughs) Wow. I love it. Seems very intolerant of you. I'm just kidding. I'm just. I'm, I mean, it was like you said. Well, I. I we have to end this podcast because I have to go to the yacht club and play <laughs> yeah, croquet yeah. Uh, while eating caviar. Yeah. Well, anyways, so going going back on this, the only thing I can say, and there's there's multiple layers to this, is it's okay if you just be a, just be better tomorrow. Just like give yourself some grace and reply to the next email you get or whatever that thing is that you just have this this long backlist of things like it's okay to declare email bankruptcy or just just ignore those things as long as they aren't holding your business back. If it's holding your business back, it's time to start tackling some of those things that are backlogged. But for the most part, the reason I hired James is to take some of this off my plate because a lot of these things are things that James can handle, not things that I should be handling. And this is really important. And honestly, kind of a, it's kind of a one-two punch, which goes to our second thing to delegate. It's things I don't like doing either. If it's like, if it's an email, like helping someone recover a password or helping someone answer a question that's an FAQ, frequently asked questions that we have, like something we can copy and paste or a template we can send them. I hate doing that because it's not, there's nothing fun to just load up a template and send it to somebody. It's not, it's, it's, it's a, it's a slog. So this is where we start looking to like, if there are things that you avoid, those things that are piling up, that's a really good sign that you're either bad at it or number two, you hate to do it. So these are the things you've got to get off your plate so that these are not the things that are weighing you down mentally and emotionally. Because I'll tell you right now, if I didn't have James in my inbox every day, looking at it, monitoring it, answering the things that need to be answered or passing off the things to me that need to be passed off, it's it would be an emotional and a mental burden on me every single day. And so James handling that every single day is a huge stress relief that allows me to focus on big picture stuff, be the CEO of my business, look where it's going to be in the future not being bogged down by stuff that someone else's agenda on my life and my business. That's an email. That's an inbox. So that's the first thing to go for me. So those are the first two things to delegate. Number one, things you're bad at. Number two, things that you hate to do. And a lot of those times, those are one and the same and and a lot of things. But I think we should move to number three now, which is things below your desired hourly income. So it could be things that you love to do. It could be things that you're really good at, but it's things that 
are below your desired hourly income. And your desired hourly income can be any number. Like for some people, it might be 50 bucks an hour, which is the least I could say you should be looking to earn if you want to make a hundred grand a year. Is it a full-time 40 hour a week around 50 bucks an hour is what you need to make uh, to make to earn six figures a year. But for some people, like for me, it's in the hundreds an hour. So like if I'm not getting paid hundreds an hour, I shouldn't be doing it. If it's not something that's earning my business hundreds an hour, then I shouldn't be doing it. And that's because I've leveraged my time so much that my time is incredibly valuable to me. And for you, it could be 20 bucks an hour. It could be 25 bucks an hour. There's no, like you get to set this rate, but whenever you know what that number is in your business, that definitive number, then you start looking to those daily tasks that you're doing yourself, which James did for me. He just said like, why are you doing this? I could have done this for you. <laughs> you look at this task and says, is this going to earn me X per hour? If not, I should not be doing it. It is, it is a thing that I can pass to someone else to do. And that helps boost, it helps leverage your hourly income. Chris, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Well, there's a, a flip side of this as well. You have to think about what is your peak hourly income? We've talked about this in the podcast in the past, but what is the, the, circle of genius that you have mm -hmm. where you're making an obscene amount of money because you have a corner on the market. You are unbelievable at this one thing. How do you spend more of your time doing that one thing? You do exactly what Brian said. You figure out what are the things outside of that zone. And especially if they're below your desired average income per hour, and you start to hand those to somebody else. If you want to get better as a creative, you have to focus on doing creative work. And in order to do that, you have to delegate other stuff to other people. And eventually, you're going to have to delegate some of your creative work to somebody else because it's not in your circle of genius. Yeah. So honestly, whenever we, there's like two areas, there's the left brain stuff, which is like the super analytical, like strategic step-by-step -step kind of things that are not creative at all. And those are honestly the first things that should be going in your business. That's what I did from a mixing business where I was mixing and mastering music and every single step in the process that wasn't creative, I built a whole step-by-step -step process. I created a tutorial video and I passed it off to an assistant and I paid him 30 bucks an hour. And I was making many multiples of that on the back end because I knew what my desired hourly income was. I could pay him a fraction of that and I kept the rest. It allowed me to, to leverage my income from instead of around 80 to hundred bucks an hour, up to 300 bucks an hour, because I was taking off so much of that non-creative work in my business. And then now that meant my average hourly income, my desired hourly income was two to $300 an hour, which meant now anything below that number should be passed off. And that means there's some certain creative tasks that can be passed off to somebody. And you want to talk about, can you find somebody for 90 to hundred bucks an hour that can do high quality work in the creative world, in my world? Absolutely. So that's, that's the power of when you start leveraging your, leveraging your income, you have more money to pass off to people for those more creative tasks or the higher, more difficult tasks to do. So that's where you start really skyrocketing your income. So we're kind of going off in the weeds here, but that's the third thing is hiring off things that are below your desired hourly income. So that's, so just to wrap all this up, the three things were number one, things that you're bad at, or another way of saying that is things that are outside of your circle of genius. Number two, things that you hate to do. Number three, things below your desired hourly income. Those are really the, the best places to start. And if you find two badasses like Kyle and James, send them our way or hire them, whichever you want to do. But that's a good place to start is hiring some of the best people that you can who can get past all sorts of stupid BS tests that you put in the way, like the potato test and the penny test. Uh, James, kudos for you for getting through those. 
Now, any last words, James or Kyle, of of what should people look to or expect or consider when they're looking to hire an assistant? You know, I, I think it's obvious given the test and the application that you talked about, but don't hire the first person that you talk to, even if they seem great, check out the other options. I went through this recently. I hired an editor for other podcasts that I work on and all three candidates were great when I was talking to them, but the first two of them kind of sucked when it came to the (laughs) practical test. And the third one just knocked it out of the park and he's been working with me since February now and he's great. So yeah, just pay attention and don't go for the first person that reaches out. Yeah, exactly. I I agree wholeheartedly with James. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, being interviewed, being willing to to air our dirty laundry about Chris and I. (laughs) And uh, for anyone who's looking to hire an assistant in your business, I can't recommend it enough. It is a game changer in your business. That is honestly, that's the time when you plant your flag in the ground and say like, I am no longer just a simple freelancer. I am an entrepreneur. I'm a business owner. I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to set my business up for any potential changes in the future in my my life, my personal time, things like Chris talked about in his story, when unexpected events can happen and sideline you for a long amount of time. This is a really good way to, to kind of future-proof your business in even in the worst of times. So, all right, that's it.